you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You never want to find yourself out on the water fishing without the essentials. So it's best to always pack a Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie to protect against the sun. I mean, it provides great protection and it's really breathable so you don't get hot. That's a win-win. Columbia PFG has a lot of great gear. So before you head out on the water, head over to Columbia.com slash PFG to shop their performance fishing gear. You can work from the road while turning your vehicle into a powerful high-speed data Wi-Fi hotspot with AT&T in-car Wi-Fi. On a network that covers more roads than any other carrier. Connect up to 10 devices and stream conference calls. Finish up that presentation or answer last-minute emails. Go to att.com slash in-car Wi-Fi to see if you're eligible for a free trial today. Based on independent third-party data, always pay careful attention to the road and don't drive distracted. Wi-Fi hotspot intended for passenger use only when vehicle is in operation. Compatible device and vehicle required. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does all the work for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billing, scheduling, and more. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot com. And now, Move the Sticks. Ten takeaways from week 12. With Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Move the Sticks. Little takeaway pod here. Got the gang all back together. Uh, all in the same country. Love uh, it. Which is nice. How about that? Uh, that you, is guys, nice. you guys look fantastic. Thanks, man. Uh, man, we got Appreciate a lot to get to. Normally, we can kind of do a little happy, a little happy chat off the top, but uh, I say we just jump right in. You guys let's ready do to go? Yeah, uh, let's get to yeah. it. Yeah. I'll start us off. Takeaway number one. It's amazing. When protected, Sam Darnold, pretty darn good. As Darnold's back to throw off play action, looks right, throws up the right seam and in stride at the 40-yard line. He's got Berrios. He gets loose. Left sideline 40 at the 30, at the 20, looking for the pylon. Pushed out. Braxton Berrios all the way down to the one-yard line. Like lightning, he shot up the right seam. And Sam Darnold found him with a sidearm throw. 69 yards. 
Yeah, Sam Darnold was protected in this game and, and really was a makeshift line, too, because you had Chuma Doga go down, the rookie. Uh, so kind of a patchwork group. But that Raiders pass rush that didn't exist early in the season then kind of exploded for a couple games, uh, they were slowed down in, in this one. And with time to throw, Sam Darnold showed uh, Buck, he can make every throw. I mean, drive the ball, layer the ball, float the ball, you name it, he can do it. And uh, it, it was fun to watch him. And really, you take out the two bad games, Sam Darnold is, is, is a better player this year than he he was last year yeah he absolutely has has improved I, I think the big thing for the Jets in general uh, I think we've seen them kind of settle into who they are and what their identity is on both sides of the ball we can talk about Sam Donald and that offense looking good but I think the biggest improvement has come from that defense uh, last week I wrote about Jamal Adams having a legitimate shot to be the defensive player of the year due to the way that Greg Williams is using him using him as a blitzer allowing him to be a factor not only as a pass rusher but also being closer to the box so he can make plays against the run he is doing it this defense is kind of coming on and we're seeing them begin to create turnovers that has given Sam Donald more opportunities within range with they can score. And I think right now the things are working together for the Jets. I think this is the version of the Jets that we expected to see at the beginning of the year. Yeah, quick word on on Adam Gase, because I feel like a lot has been said about the leadership of this team, uh, really from the jump, right? Uh, I'm not here to argue uh, all that's been said. You could you could clearly make an argument positively or negatively, depending on how you feel about it. But there's been drama from day one. That's just kind of been the case. And when the Sharks were circling after the one and seven start, uh, including a couple of the bad losses that you mentioned, most notably the Patriots, when Darnold comes back from the mono, um, and then you have the trade deadline drama. And just when you feel like things are starting to go off the rails, they rattle off three in a row. I think that's a sign of a, of a coach that can rally the troops, that can bring guys together when every, everyone else wants to pull them apart. Um, Darnold showing you why he was arguably the top quarterback in the class two years ago, and it feels like they together are hitting their stride here uh, with Darnold figuring out what, what he wants to do and how that fits into the whole philosophy of what Gase brings. And look, all that doesn't happen by accident. You know, it's, uh, it's a good job leading a team, and there's some momentum now heading into the final stretch. It's it's fascinating. Just real quick, I'll put a bow on Darnold. I want to get to the Raiders real quick on the other side of it. But um, you look at Baker Mayfield, right, with the Browns this year. Uh, they've had a runner go over 70 yards nine times this year. The Jets still had, it still hadn't happened, even in this game where they won big. They did not have anybody rush for over 70 yards. Um, so this is a team that's – this is if you're a Jets fan, get excited because yep. this is the basement right now. Like, there's going they're going to get better around him, and you're going to start seeing a run game. You're going to start seeing consistent pass protection. They're going to find weapons. They're going to find corners. They still have a lot to go out there and get, and now we're seeing they can, they can win football games as is. So uh, that would be encouraging to me if you're a Jets fan. And then when you flip over to the Oakland Raiders – uh, Buck, I want to get your thoughts on this, and then we can get scooting here. But this was a game – I know I know the, the history of West Coast teams going east and playing in that early time slot. It's a 10 a.m. game, and the weather's not great. I get all those things. But to me, it felt like knowing the Jets' run defense was you know one of the best in football, knowing the Raiders wanted to run the football, I, I got the sense this was going to be a Derek Carr game. Um, and I thought the ball was put in Derek Carr's hands, and I thought he was – he got screwed a little bit by some drops with his wideouts, but man, they just they could not get anything going uh, there with the passing game. Yeah, I think this is a big indictment on Derek Carr I, for, for all the things that we want to say that he is. And I mean, I thought he was playing at a level that was, um, I mean, probably the best that we had seen him play throughout his career heading into this game. He cannot 
put the weight of the offense on his shoulders. Time and time again, he has been unable to kind of bring uh, bring this offense through when they need him. And so I think for John Gruden, he has to make a serious decision on how he wants to build his team going forward. I know they have a lot of money sunk into Derek Carr, but if he's not able to kind of take over the offense when they need it and they don't have to run a game to prop him up, what good is he? It's one of those things that they have to talk about in the offseason. Bucky, you want to keep us rolling here? No, no. Let's do it. The Patriots keep winning ugly. Prescott takes the snap. Get Patriots rush five. Prescott throws down the middle for Cooper. Dives and makes the catch. He has it for a first down wow. on his first reception of the game at the 45 of Dallas. He beat Gilmore on that one. Oh, so, whoa. The Patriots, it's oh, in the hands of the uh-oh. replay official, and the play is going to be stopped. The replay official ground aided it. diving the ball, came out of his hands and no. hit the ground. No. And he had the aid of the ground Brown. and the bounce to gather it in. Brown. That should be incomplete upon review. You know, when I look at the New England Patriots, I think the one thing that strikes me is they just play great complimentary ball and put themselves always in a position to win. And I'm going to say it, Tom Brady has not played great this year. Tom Brady, to me, is on a serious descent, and they're having to win in spite of him. And what we saw against the D- Dallas Cowboys, we saw a team that relies on their defense, their special teams to win games. Their special teams in particular did a great job of creating opportunities. You had the block punt. We had a couple of penalties that they forced. We had some misplays of the ball by the Dallas Cowboys. And because their special teams were able to set them up in good field position or force the Cowboys to drive the length of the field, they were able to control the game. This Patriots is a team. This Patriots team is one. They expose your biggest flaws. And I think for the Dallas Cowboys, they expose the lack of attention to detail. Every team that faces the Patriots have to really, you really have to be buttoned up to deal with them. And if you're not buttoned up, they'll find a way to win those games. Yeah, look, I I, I want to get to the the Patriot or the Cowboys side of this thing because it's it's kind of the most newsworthy. I mean that you know I agree with you, Bucky, 100. percent That that's just how we've come to know the Patriots. I mean, is anybody surprised that with inferior talent on the offensive side of the ball they go out and still win the game? Um, Jerry Jones's comments in this one were were the most telling to me. Um, special teams is a totally reflection of coaching. That's a quote from Jerry Jones in this one. Um, Let's see. Uh, Jerry Jones, I don't think there's a game that a coaching staff has that it couldn't do better in. I just don't like that we've got so many of them as I'm standing here tonight. He said, I I mean, you know, it, it was just, it was the strongest comments. And this is the last one I'll leave you with. It's frustrating to me to just be reminded that some of the fundamentals of football and coaching were what beat us out there today. I mean, look, that's going to make for some awkward interactions uh, around Frisco uh, and the star there this week. I mean, that, that, those are damning comments, DJ. Well, here's the thing. There's, this, this sounds kind of weird, but there's no shame in, in getting outcoached by Bill Belichick. He does it to everybody. <laughs> right. Okay. Right. Th- this is not the game where you make that comment. You know when you make that comment? You make that comment when you lose to the Jets 24 right. to 22. That's right. when you that's when you make that comment. This game, I mean, he's done it to everybody. So, uh, yeah, the, the special teams were the difference in this football game. Yeah. Cowboys, I thought if you want to find a positive, man, their defense was outstanding. Really kept them in this football game throughout. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, look, the, the offense struggled. I just don't know that that's the headline because every offense outside Lamar Jackson, every <laughs> single offense has done nothing against this Patriots defense. Then you throw wind and weather in on top of it. I don't know what the expectation was that they were going to do offensively in this ballgame. Well, and I think Tom Brady was right. I mean, 
the Patriots are winning with defense and special teams. You go back to their first 10 points, uh, the only TD of the game coming off the block punt. They needed mm-hmm. just two plays and 12 yards to put a TD up off after the block punt. Um, it went to Nikhil Harry. Their first field goal comes off the Gilmore interception. They went four plays in three yards and kicked the field goal, and they were up 10 nothing. I mean, like, that, you know, the offense was <laughs> opportunistic, and you have to be opportunistic to win in this league. But, I mean, Tom Brady's absolutely right. It goes defense, special teams, and then offense for this Patriots team right now. Yeah, I think the big thing for any team that is dealing with the Patriots, they have to be able to fight through the mystique because Tom Brady no longer has the magic. He doesn't have the ability to kind of put this offense on his right arm and carry them. And, look, we've seen this from the end of last season. If you go back and you really look at how the Patriots won the Super Bowl. They won it because their running game, their defense played well in the postseason. This season, Tom Brady came out to a great start the first three games, but since that point, he's been a bottom third quarterback in nearly every category. And so, Teams that are facing the Patriots, they have to ignore who number 12 is because number 12 comes out like Mike Tyson, but he's the old Mike Tyson, not the, not the young one. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great point. That's a great point, Buck. And, and uh, one of the things I want to add about the Patriots, think about this, okay? We all agree Belichick's the best coach in football, and debatably all time. Yeah. When you look at their path, he's going to have two weeks, right, mm-hmm. coming off a bye. They're going to have yep. two weeks to get ready to play a team at home. If they win that game... Then they're going to get one game with only a week of preparation, but it's going to be at home. And then they're going to turn around and get two weeks to prepare. (laughs) It's just like this whole thing, when you look at it, you're like, okay, they don't have it perfect. They're going to get two home games in the Super Bowl. It's it's, it's with a bye in two of those three games. Like, it's it's ridiculous. It's such, such an advantage when you have a coach like Bill Belichick. Yeah, because they mastered the formula of how to win. And so, like, I really believe they used a regular season as kind of like an experimental process for the first three months of the season. Then in December, they hone in on who they are. Um, You're right, DJ. When they play in the playoffs, they always have the advantage of getting the bye. So two to get into the Super Bowl. And so in a one-game scenario, if you're Bill <laughs> Belichick, you take your chance versus any NFL team because in a one-game At deal, home and weather. They can uh, always now, come that, up with a game That's if plan. they can get past the Chiefs here in a couple of weeks. Uh, they'll uh, beat the Chiefs. Wow. Okay. They'll beat the Chiefs. The, chief, the Chiefs, the details. Like we <laughs> just talked down. about the details. The details. Yeah. They're not yeah. detailed enough on defense to be able to match up. Uh, all right. Should I keep the train moving here? All right, I'm yeah, going to do it. Go. I'm going to take us down to the NFC South where Jameis Winston has the best short-term memory in NFL history. Here's <laughs> the snap, five, seven-step drop by Winston, looks upfield, throws the ball upfield. He has Godwin. He makes the catch at the 30 to the 20. Godwin to the 10, five, touchdown Tampa Bay. Box lead the Falcons six to three. Jameis Winston threw his career-high 19th interception on his very first pass attempt in this game in Atlanta. I said it on Game Day Live yesterday. That will not stop him from firing once again. And on the very next drive, he has no conscience. As a, no conscience with the football. That will not <laughs> stop him from going right back to the well. And I think you like that quality you like that ability to turn the page to reset refresh block all that out get that out of your short-term memory and move on he did just that very next possession he fired in a terrific tight window throw to Chris Godwin that went 71 yards for a score he then comes back out in the next drive and throws another interception his 20th of the season which was also his 100th career turnover uh, in his fifth season Uh, he comes back two, two drives later though and leads another touchdown drive, throws another touchdown pass. 
His short-term memory is insane. He does not care about the past. He will keep firing. I think you love that. The problem here is his long-term memory of, I've had problems turning the football over. I need to be more judicious with the football has not registered. It's like Groundhog Day in that effect. And again, five years in, it makes you wonder if he is losing or already has lost the franchise quarterback designation because 100 total turnovers is not a ringing endorsement. But outside of that, he consistently shows you that he can win games. So what in the world do you do? Well, I've said it. Buck, I've said the same thing with Jameis, right? He does a great job of keeping both teams in the game, yours (laughs) and theirs. He's capable of beating the best. He's capable of losing to the worst. It is a wild roller coaster ride that you go on with Jameis Winston. Now, can you ever be a consistent winner with an inconsistent quarterback? I don't believe you can. So uh, then you, you know, have to make to the is, tough call, right? Take away. So uh, that to me, I would be in. I would be in search of the next one go. because it is high highs, low lows, and this has been his pattern for a long time now. I don't know that it's going to change. He's a he's like a high volume scorer. I mean, like just it, jacking up shots from all over the place. So here's the funny thing about Jameis Winston, and here's why I actually think Jason Light has a tough decision to make. So we talk about Jameis Winston those first five years having 100 giveaways. Do you know who had more giveaways than Jameis Winston? Peyton Manning. Peyton Manning sits at the top of the list. Different era, though. I know, but like still, so when you think about it, like what you have to make a decision on is do we want to hit the reset button at the quarterback position, and are we guaranteed of getting a better player or a proven product? I think that is one of the things that Bruce Arians and his staff have to figure out. I'm Bruce Arians. I'm nearing the end of a long coaching career. Do I want to wait for a young guy to get it? Can I find a veteran player that I can kind of rehab, or am I better served to sit here and figure out what I can do with Jameis Winston? I do believe it is a roller coaster ride each and every week not even each and every week each and every series you don't know yeah. what you're gonna get from Jameis Winston <laughs> what, I mean this game but, was a perfect example of that but this game was you're right it is the perfect example of who he is first play interception comes back has his eighth <laughs> 300 yard game he has That's the most a ton of, I mean like so I really don't know how we evaluate him because he is up and down. And I just think, man, for all the questions that he brings, he also gives you some answers. But I don't know which direction you go if you're Jason Light and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. It's, it's our devil you know or devil you don't. That's what I don't at. know, man. That's that's a he, that's a high blood pressure way of living right there. <laughs> it man. sure is. Uh, watching watching that that act every single week. I will add this last thing before we move on to the next one. Tampa's young defense: Vita Vea with a sack, Devin White, the rookie linebacker, two sacks, Shaq Barrett, who's one of the best free agent additions we've seen over the last several years. Um, really, really some good young pieces. Now they need to they need to get the secondary figured out. There's that's still a work in progress, um, but some good young players there in the front seven. So um, some hope there for the uh, for the Bucks going forward. I'll keep it uh, keep it moving here let's go to the bears i thought this was a season saving stop win. it fourth and four play clock to one sends it back to jones scrambling to his left being chased by floyd who hits him as he throws the pass is broken up far side of the field the big pressure by leonard floyd saved the day a throw broken up as well by prince of Ukamara at around the 45 yard line of the giants and the giants turn it over on downs all right, as bad as it's been for the Bears, let's hear me out here, Rick. Season saver over there. Come on. At the Lions, at the Lions next week with Matt Stafford's health situation, I, I feel like the Bears have a chance to go win that football game. That puts them at six and six, right? 
Then they have a big one. It's a home game against the Cowboys, who the Cowboys, I believe, have not beat a team with a winning record this year. Average as the day is long. That is a Sunday night game uh, against the Cowboys. So they get their next two games. All of a sudden now you're 7-6. and six. You come down the stretch. You've got Packers-Chiefs-Vikings. Now, as bad as that sounds, the Packers game was a one-possession game early in the season. They beat the Vikings earlier this year, and the Chiefs, uh, a little bit up and down with the Chiefs. I'm just saying, this is not – it's not – they're not dead. I thought we all just kind of assumed as bad as it's been for the Bears, they're kind of right in the mix here. They're still they're alive. They aren't alive. They're three games out of the wild game, card. They're, they're three games if, out of the if division. They lose this game, there's lots to play. There's lots left to play. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Crazy. Play inside the division. There's five games left. Three they're three games, games out. Left. I guess. I mean, They've I guess you're right that they division games left. Yeah, I, I, I just can't. I just I'm can't. saying, if they lose this game, it's over. They're dead. If they're they not, can I beat mean, Green Bay three times, they'll win the division. I mean, in the last five games. I mean, <laughs> they only play them once. I mean, they're they're alive, but it's just hard for me to take any. <laughs> I'm not confidence saying they're going to win the division. I'm looking nah. at the wild card. All right. Yeah, All it's, right. it's hard for me to take any confidence away from this. I know Trubisky had almost 300 yards, but a couple of interceptions. To me, he doesn't play with enough confidence to lead them into the postseason. And I don't know how Matt Nagy calls around that. Their defense certainly can come up big, can make plays. They're only surrendering 17.1 points a game. That's the fewest by a team with a losing record. However, at the end of the day, they're going to be judged by their quarterback, and I just don't know if their quarterback is good enough to get them over the top. We'll see. You said it's a season saver. I just don't know what kind of season he's saving. The season is not over, <laughs> okay. boys. If they lose that game, the season's over. The season's not over. That's all I'm getting at here with the Bears. Okay, you got. They won a game. Give them some love. You got a defibrillator out, but okay, that's cool. We'll just let's wait. go to a team that's actually in the playoff picture, Buck. Here we go. Ryan Tannehill gives the Titans hope. Everybody's Tannehill said it in the AFC. Down the middle, caught. Brown, fifty. Brown, forty. Brown, thirty. Brown, twenty. Brown, ten. Brown, five. Brown, end zone. Ladies and gentlemen, that is sixty-five yards. AJ Brown, touchdown. The rookie from Ole Miss. <laughs> Man, a lot of excitement there. A lot of excitement. Look, and it should be excited in Tennessee because since they made the move with Ryan Tannehill, this team is four and war four and one with him as the starting quarterback. He's had a passer rating of 100 plus in four of those five games. And when you look at this game, I think we're beginning to finally see who Ryan Tannehill was in terms of what we thought he was going to be coming out of Texas M. Dual threat quarterback, making plays. He's been efficient in the passing game, but also using his legs. And more importantly, I think it was telling when Mike Vrabel talked about him giving the team hope. They believe in him because of the way that he's playing. The combination of Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry gives them a potent running attack. He's making plays off play action. And A.J. Brown has quickly become their number one option in the passing game. This Titans team is tough enough to be problematic. I don't know if they make the postseason, but they certainly are a tough out right now. Hey, look at the, look at the AJ Brown's numbers here on the on the year here, Rhett. Thirty one for five eighty one, four touchdowns. He's got eight plays of, of twenty plus yards. So it's it's a, it's a really good receiving group of, of rookies this year. We're seeing a bunch of guys, but he has come on, and what he does best is what he does after the catch. And when you get Ryan Tannehill, who likes to be efficient and doesn't traditionally like to really push the ball deep down the field, having guys that can run after the catch, that's how you have to build this team. Yeah, and look, I think you go back to a decision that uh, Mike Vrabel made more than a month ago, about six weeks ago, when he decided to bench a guy, I mean, like you would have to say, was the face of the franchise in mm -hmm. Marcus Mariota as a number two overall pick oh, yeah. back in 2015. I mean, so since then, they've gone four and one, as you mentioned here, they're averaging almost 15 points more per game 
with Tannehill at quarterback. They're averaging almost 100 more total yards a game with Tannehill at quarterback. They're converting 10% more on third down. It does make me wonder, you know, are they calling the game differently with Tannehill at quarterback? I mean, maybe, but they're still heavy. They're still heavy run team with Derrick Henry. It's just they're operating more efficiently. And, uh, and look, I mean, I think that was a great move by Mike Vrabel, a hard one to make um, considering the stature of Mariota, but clearly it's paying off. And this is absolutely a playoff contender here. Yeah, playoff contender. Let's go on the other side because the Jacksonville Jaguars. Man, they are not. They are not, but since they've gone with Nick Foles, this doesn't look like the same team. Look, and I'm not saying they're going to miss you was the answer as the franchise quarterback, but I do believe they have found a bit of an identity. They were running the ball. They've been efficient off play action. They're a little more under center, which really helps Leonard Fournette because he's more of a downhill runner from a traditional eye formation. Nick Foles. Look, if Nick Foles has to throw the ball almost 50 times, you're going to lose games. 32 or 48, 272. It's just not the kind of style that Jacksonville is equipped to play. And I think this is a telling indictment on, on the lack of identity that they have when Nick Foles is their starting quarterback. And, and DJ, and I agree with that, Bucky, I, I just defensively, this team this oh, they're not more on defense. No, I, and no. I don't know how you can nope. get that bad after having that many picks in the top 10 in, what, five of the last six years, five of the last seven years. And, they all and, play for the Rams. Well, that's, yeah. That's they, they, they all play for the Rams. And also, like, part of the reason they were able to be really good on defense is because the offense protected them a little bit. Yeah. When you run the ball, you that's expose true. your defense to fewer snaps. By throwing the ball more, they're now putting their defense on the field more, and we're seeing they're wearing down. They're just not able to hold up. And so, part Part of it is Doug Marone and even Tom Coughlin. They have to come to a meeting of the minds in terms of how they play. The complementary style has to work for each component. Yeah, when you look at Fowler, yeah. you look also at, uh, at Jalen Ramsey, Ramsey, also Telvin Smith, that whole situation. That's another the, good point. Uh, before the season started. Yeah, that's so a, that's those a are tough three, miss. three pretty good playmakers for a defense. Still some really good players up front, though, to be giving up that much uh, that much on the ground week in and week out um, from the Jaguars. All right, I'll, I'll move us on here. Uh, the Saints will win the division. But what else? And Will Lutz from 33 yards. Zach Wood hold his down, kick is up, and it is good! It's good! Will Lutz is good from 33, and the New Orleans Saints are going to win this one 34-31. So the last part of that call Zach was... Zach Streif. Yeah, Zach Streif right there. The last part of that call was his broadcast partner, Deuce McAllister, saying, oh, too much drama for me. Zach, too much drama for me in this one. <laughs> and, and you know what? I, I kind of agree. There was some drama in this game here for the Saints that kind of gives you two schools of thought in this one. The first school of thought being, look, this is a division game. It can be close no matter the records. And yes, the Panthers have lost a few uh, in the last couple of weeks here. Kyle Allen has not played well. But look, it's a division game. They know each other well. They play close. You had the P.I. call challenge from Ron Rivera that gave them an extra three downs from inside the 10. Then you had the missed field goal by Carolina. Obviously, this game could have gone a lot of different directions based on those things not turning out the way they did. I get that. Uh, And this kind of grit from a Saints team to win a game down the stretch in the last minute of the game could serve them well down the road, right? But two weeks ago, they lose at home to Atlanta, who was reeling. That's always a tough game with the Falcons. I get that. They blow a 14-point early lead in this game. Alvin Kamara was non-existent in the first half. Uh, And then, you know, I feel like I don't feel as good about the Saints as I did a month ago. And... 
I think Drew Brees is still sh- is like shattering completion percentage records. So that leads me to think, look, something's something's different on defense, right? They're just not they're not playing well as well as they had in the first part of the season on defense. And I think a, a large part of that can be attributed to Marshawn Lattimore's absence. But boy, you hate to say one player and the whole and the wheels fall off the bus on defense. Uh, but I think we'll learn a lot about this Saints team in the next two weeks. They got a Thanksgiving night game against Atlanta coming up here in just uh, three days. And then you're going to have a game against the 49ers in a couple of weeks. And I think mm. we'll know pretty quickly where this Saints team stands. Yeah, I agree with you. This is a, that's going to be a big game. too. <clears throat> yeah. Different looking Saints team. This is the Saints team that we saw early in the year. They were a dominant team. They didn't waste time with teams that they were supposed to beat. This game kind of lingered back and forth. You kept waiting for them. When are they going to knock them out? They right. should be able to knock out the Carolina Panthers. And they let them kind of hang around to the point. They really needed a missed field goal and an opportunity from Drew Brees to run a two minute drill to get it done. And so, defensively, they've slipped a little bit. Offensively, I would like to see them run the ball a little better. Um, I see 18 carries. I see 118 yards from Murray and Kamara. Man, they could, if they're that efficient, they could get more. They yeah. still need to run the ball so they can control the clock. I just think they just need to get shake the boredom out and yeah. kind of focus on the last one, making sure they're playing the right way. Yeah, I, we, we always talk about trying to find Waldo, uh, Buck. We've been talking about that mm-hmm. forever, right? P.J. Williams was your Waldo in this oh, game. Oh, for sure. I mean, that was D.J. Moore on P.J. Williams on every big play. Both touchdowns, another big play. Um, he just spun him around. So you get a uh, healthy Marshawn Lattimore out here. He can match up. He can travel. He travels with D.J. Moore. I think maybe this is a little bit different game. I really thought um, they missed him in this one. But I, I do want to give some credit on the other side. Kyle Allen coming off a, a horrendous game there against the Falcons. Yeah, no good bounce back. Four picks. He, he, he got them in, kept them in this football game, played a great game, three touchdowns, uh, moving the ball up and down the field. So uh, nice, nice to see a young quarterback show a little resiliency there. And last thing I'll say on this one before you move us on here, D.J., uh, Teron Armstead, stud left tackle for the Saints, high ankle sprain. And, you know, that's an injury that can kind of take a month to really get up, get back to 100 percent. So uh, keep an eye on that one for the Saints moving forward. Oh, that's a big one. Uh, We'll stay in the NFC for the next one here. The Philadelphia Eagles (laughs) are a mess. Sanders, the single setback, but Wentz is going to throw. He does, takes the shotgun snap, throws far side. It's picked off. It's Trey Flowers who picks it off. Ball intended on the far side for Matthews. Trey Flowers in great position. Throw maybe a skosh behind. Carson Wentz tosses another pick. All right, let me go. You want me to go through what's wrong with the Philadelphia Eagles here, guys? You got to lay it out, bud. Let's start here. Let's go. Uh, the you know, arguably the best or one of the top three right tackles in the NFL, Lane Johnson not playing. Arguably the best or top three guard, I would say, Brandon Brooks. I think he's played as well as any guard in football this year. He he's had some unfortunate anxiety issues, so he he couldn't play in this football game. So you're missing him. So you're missing two key linemen. All right, that's that's one thing you're missing. All right, receiver wise, you're hurt, you're beat up. Even when you're healthy, there's no speed, there's no playmakers on the outside of this defense, none whatsoever. So you get a pocket that's collapsing. You don't have a lot of weapons to go with the football. Your quarterback gets hit early, and then I don't know how else to say it. I know he's got a hand thing, but uh, Carson, he was like watching a second baseman who couldn't make a throw to first. When you when you look at some of the screens and easy layup throws that he was missing, uh, just kind of didn't have his touch. And then I thought you saw later on in the game, after getting hit a bunch early, 
you start seeing him imagine pressure. And we, we always talk about in scouting having your eyes and your feet connected. In mm-hmm. other words, when you start your read on the left side of the field and then you move your eyes to the right side, your feet have to follow you there. And he's in a bad habit where his feet are not connected to his eyes and there's a key fourth down throw he missed. So missing players up front, missing players outside, your quarterback's getting hit. And then after, even when he's not getting hit, he's imagining pressure. Mechanically, he's falling apart. Um, I'm at it, play calling is not great. I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. It's bad all the way across the board here. Yeah, it is bad all the way across the board. Um, you, you talked about the the lack of weapons that he has around because one thing that stands out to me when I watch the Philadelphia Eagles, they're a very slow offense. And without speed and yes. explosiveness on the perimeter, they make it very, very hard for the quarterback um, to be able to get away. They shrink his margin for error. And so if I'm Carson Wentz, why would I have a lot of confidence throwing the ball out there when my guys can't consistently separate? And the two guys that they played with yesterday on the outside, Greg Ward and Jordan Matthews, they don't scare anybody on defense. Now, he has to play better. He has to take care of the ball, particularly in the pocket. Too many fumbles that we're seeing. Um, and I feel like Doug Peterson has to take some of the pressure off of him by somehow finding a way to generate a rushing attack. But until the Philadelphia Eagles get more weapons on the outside, I just don't think we're going to see the best that Carson Wentz could be. Yes, some of this falls on him, but I can't really take him to task until they get enough weapons around him to give him a fighting chance against a dominant team like the Seattle Seahawks. That was ugly, man. Um, credit the Eagles' defense a little bit, though. It felt like the pass rush and the turnovers of their own. Kept them in it. Coverage has been much better since they've got a little bit healthier on that side. Uh, Jalen Mills made a couple of plays in this game. It's just you guys are absolutely right, and, and we can move it on here because the offense just ain't holding their end of the bargain on this one. Nah, no, but we're going to go to a team whose offense is, is, is holding their own. Don't look now, but the Browns are surging. Mayfield under center. Takes the snap. Play action fake to Chubb. Looking, looking, going down the field. There's Beckham out there. Hey, this is exactly what we thought was going to happen, right? They were going to hit the soft spot of the schedule. They were going to find their rhythm. They've reeled off three straight wins at home. Baker Mayfield is now settling in. He's finding his weapons on the outside. Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. We saw them combine for 16 receptions and three touchdowns. This is the Browns that we expect to see now. We can talk about it being uh, the Miami Dolphins. The Miami Dolphins aren't good. But if you're the Cleveland Browns, you've won three straight. At least you have some confidence. And I think Freddie Kitchens has finally kind of helped them find an offensive identity. The offense now runs through Nick Chubb. Everybody else is secondary. When the running game is going with Nick Chubb and even Kareem Hunt, this offense is more difficult to defend. I think Freddie Kitchens has realized that. And I think this will be the version of the Browns that we see going forward. So yeah, this is a yeah, Baker ahead, Mayfield, TJ. Rhett, we were talking about this earlier, the, the play action, off play action, Baker Mayfield, 232 yards, perfect passer rating uh, off play action this game. So when you can run the football, mentioned it earlier, they've had, what was it, nine games where they've had somebody rush over 70 yards. They've got a ground yeah. game uh, that helps him when they use that ground game, then off play action to distribute the football. That's where Mayfield's comfortable. And I don't think people understand it when we use, sometimes we throw out terms or scouting terms. I don't know if people really know what we're talking about or does it make sense. Baker Mayfield is a rhythm passer, and there's a rhythm to it when you're off play action because it's the it's the ball handling, back foot in the ground, ball's gone, and then you get into a nice, comfortable flow and rhythm, and I think you saw him get into a rhythm very early in this game. Yeah, yeah. 155 passer rating, uh, just near perfect on play action, and it's actually his 232 yards on play action attempts actually the second most in a game since we've started tracking that stat since 2016. Well, I mean, they went in 
on the play on the play pass in this one. Yep. And, and Bucky, you're absolutely right. They they beat a team they were supposed to beat, right? The Miami Dolphins. Look, if we're going to talk roster building uh, as we do often on this uh, on this show, I just felt like it's it's necessary to throw this uh, nugget out there uh, as well. So you can't tell the story of the NFL without undrafted free agents. You absolutely can't. There's some in the Hall of Fame, Kurt Warner, Mm -hmm. the whole deal. But this is an issue when you have three of your starting four DBs as undrafted free agents, and then it goes further into it. Okay, so just listen to this here. Ken Crawley started for for the Dolphins here. He was an undrafted free agent. It was actually way by New Orleans. Nick Needham, undrafted free agent, starter for the Dolphins. Steven Parker, undrafted free agent, starter for the Dolphins in the defensive backfield. He was waived by the Rams. And now six of their nine DBs that they played in this game, I get it, not all of them played on defense, some were on special teams, are undrafted free agents. Ryan Lewis, Chris Lammis, Jamal Wiltz. Look, I, some, you, you know, you'd love to have some contributions from, from that section of your roster because you have to build with yeah. some of those guys as well. But, man, it's tough to win. when you know They can't all be first-rounders, but... Man, you like to see. I know they put Xavier Howard and Bobby McCain on injury Drafted, reserve. It's not much to ask. Yeah. yeah, but look, man, that's tough. That is tough. It's just hard to win without like top level talent in the back end. It just limits what you're able to do. And sometimes you can find an occasional gem in the undrafted market, but to have so many of those guys in the back end, I mean, it just you just don't have enough talent to be able to compete. And so we knew yeah. the Miami Dolphins were rebuilding. Uh, we knew Brian Flores had got this group to play hard. But when you're playing against two of the best wide receivers, <laughs> not only in the league today, but in NFL history, and Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. based on their numbers, it's just hard to expect. I mean, the most draft guys yeah. to compete. The most established DB they ran out in this game was Eric Rowe, who's now mm-hmm. you know on his third team. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Dolphins. So that looks just, just for some context, that's all I'll say. All right, let's keep the train moving here. And I got two words, very simple. King Kittle. Here's Garoppolo, going to fake and boot left. He has Richie James Jr. there. Going to throw a deep got shot. It. Wide open, George Kittle. 20, 10, 5. He is back. Touchdown! San Francisco! My goodness, what a play design. How good does that feel? Feels great, baby, George Kittle. <laughs> How about that? Feels great, baby. <laughs> uh, uh, no, he makes it go, man. I think if, if if they have George Kittle in the Seahawks game, I think we're talking about the 49ers are still an undefeated football team. I mean, he makes a huge difference because not only what he does after the catch in the passing game, but it's not a mystery that he helps the run game as well, one of the best blocking tight ends. He makes the, uh, he makes the whole thing go offensively for the Niners. He does make you go. And I think the big reason why he's such a big factor, you talked about his contributions as a receiver, but really in the, the blocking game. So much of what the San Francisco 49ers do really revolves around the tight end and the fullback, meaning their versatility, their interchangeable uh, roles in terms of how they're utilized in this offense poses a lot of problems to the defense. And then when George Kittle can control the middle of the field, it enables guys like Debo Samuel to get loose on the outside because you have to devote all your sources to dealing with the tight end in the running game, one-on-one on the outside. And we are seeing Debo Samuel is that that catch-and-run playmaker that we thought he would be when we watched him at the Senior Bowl dominate the week of practice. He has been a godsend for them. He is their number one receiver outside of Kittle. This offense is dangerous, and we can't even talk about how good that defense is. That defense is lights out. Yeah. I think they've proven also you don't have to be a top 10 pick 
to make an impact on that defensive line. I know we've talked mm. about Chris Kasurik and the job that he's done for the 49ers defensive line as their D-line coach. Um, I'll just give you a couple others here. DJ Jones, six-round pick in 2017, yep. made a couple of big plays in this game. Uh, Ronald Blair was a fifth-round pick back in 16. He's on IR, but he was a huge part of their rotation mm -hmm. uh, before he got injured. And then Julian Taylor, another piece of it, a seventh-round pick. I mean, they, they get contributions from one to eight in that D-line room. And I think that's, I mean, when you've got the elite talent, that's awesome. Um, but to also then get it from the back end of the group is pretty special too. Absolutely. They yeah, are, they're playing they, really well on the back end. Jimmy yeah. Ward's a really good football player, Buck. I don't know if many people talk about him at all, but when you watch that tape, uh, he jumps out with what he does, not only making plays down the field in the pass game, but also coming up and supporting the run. He's a good football player. Really good football player. He's come on. Uh, they're doing a really good job, and the advantage that they have on defense is they can win with four. That allows them to put max coverage in the back end. They make – they make you play against very, very tight coverage. They make you throw against tight windows. And we're seeing their front four, man, they get loose on everybody. Yeah, and uh, it, DJ will have an XO on Jimmy Ward if you tune into the aftermath today, 3 o'clock Eastern time for about three hours. So you'll see that, uh, that uh, the proof of Jimmy Ward's impact on this game as well. All right, so, that, oh, so I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it. Here we go. My Buffalo Bills are flying under the radar. Now the snap. Here comes pressure. They pick it up. Josh Byers got Colt Beasley at the five into the end zone. Touchdown. Touchdown, Buffalo. They picked up the blitz, and Cole Beasley was open. Single coverage over the middle. Josh Allen fired a strike. And it's funny. You hear me how I, I inserted that my? Yeah, they're eight and three. So the Buffalo Bills are looking at <laughs> your oh Packers, yeah, the Raiders. Raiders. I mean, that's what happens when you play five teams. You, you can pick and choose which ones you like. So this week we're the Buffalo Bills. Uh, I think the thing that is impressive about the Buffalo Bills quietly, and I know they don't get a lot of national attention, they have become more of an up-tempo team. They're going no huddle. Brian Dayball has put the game more in Josh Allen's hands because they're getting to the line and kind of controlling. He's able to kind of use what we saw the Rams do with Sean McVay and Jerry Goff. And so they're going fast. They're playing fast, but they're not throwing it recklessly on the perimeter. 244 total rush yards. Josh Allen only had 25 attempts. I think that's that is the sweet spot for him. Anywhere 25 to 30 attempts, that means they're playing the game the way that they want to play it. And even though he only had 185 pass yards, two passing touchdowns, had nine rushes for 56 yards, I've talked about him being kind of a scaled-down version of Cam Newton for Sean McDermott. I think they have found a way to utilize him in a way that will allow him to win games without putting the ball in harm's way. They ran the heck out of it, man. 47 times they rushed the football in this game. Um, you throw it 25, you, you run it 47 times, and you're getting the ability to run the football because Devin Singletary, the young rookie, is really starting to come on. And when he was coming out, I compared him. I said he's like a mini McCoy. He's like a mini LaShawn McCoy with his quick feet and change of direction. And uh, we're starting to see that. He just kind of ducks and hides back there. And then he's not going to hit you a bunch of 40s and 50s, but he hits a bunch of 8, 9, 10, 11s. That's what he does. So again, I hate to be the, uh, you know, the dark cloud here. They haven't played just, anybody, Rhett. Just for, I know. Just for some context, the Bills, the three teams that they've lost to, mm -hmm. have more wins combined than the seven teams they've beat hey, they combined. Hey, they and can. that does not include. Yes, I get they played the Dolphins twice. I did not include their record twice. The teams they've lost, they've beaten, are nineteen and fifty-eight. I get they can only play the teams that are put in front of them. Maybe. 
Maybe they beat them up so much they don't have anything left after they yeah, play maybe them. Maybe that's it. Like maybe that's what it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe maybe it's the cumulative effect of dealing with the tough, hard charging. And I hate that. I hate that, that narrative. But I feel because I feel like it's been like overused so much this year. It's like the story of the league this season. If you're a good team, you haven't beaten anybody yet. Um, but I, I just I think that the numbers kind of bear that out. It's it's an interesting one. And Cleveland is one of the teams that they've lost to. Yeah, but the Cleveland Browns are surging. The Ravens. No, are that's right. I forgot. Surging. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's where I stand on the Bills. All right, boys. Is that it? Now that Rhett's just taking a taking a dump on all the teams <laughs> in the league, I think we can wrap hey, this thing uh, up. Yeah. Here. Not nice. a lot of positivity. Wow. To the holiday, you know, Thanksgiving yeah. is coming. Can you be know, a little more man, positive? Golly, somebody's got. Uh, just trying to just trying to give I'm the give I, the listeners. I, I'm thankful I have some positive friends <laughs> yeah. and Rhett. Yeah. I'm, I'm, you know, thank, I'm thank, thankful. For. Yeah, I'm thankful the self esteem is high because man, if my self esteem was shaking, I love the Bills. Let's go Bills. Let's go Bills. Let's go Bills. Get this guy some turkey and stuffing and put a smile on his face. I, I love New Air Field, Western uh, New York. Come on. Uh, all right, Bills Mafia. His it's uh, what's your handle again? It's at Rhett NFL. It's Rhett with an H. Yes, there you go. You can find him on there. Thank you. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us. Thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, We'll catch you next time right here on Move the Sticks. Thanks for downloading Move the Sticks with Daniel Jeremiah, Bucky Brooks, and Rhett Lewis. For more, go to nfl.com slash podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at Let'sMakeAPlan.org.
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.